Thank you for hitting the download and subscribe button on iTunes and Google Play. This is Steven Jensen. You're listening to the Fight Talk Podcast. Today's episode, I have Markham Jenkins on the show, who I could really only describe as just an overall artist of a human being. He is a jiu-jitsu grappler. He is a photographer. He's a musician. He's a great dude. We're here today to talk about his upcoming jiu-jitsu fight on September the 23rd at the Grappling Games in Chicago, Illinois. Jump on www.grapplinggames.org slash ggc52 for more information. On this episode, me and Markham talk about training. We talk a little UFC, a little MMA, uh, but mainly we talk grappling, which is kind of changing it up for the show a little bit. I think you guys are going to really enjoy it. Markham's a great dude, and it's a great conversation. And before we get started, make sure to check out Heroes and Legends, who are celebrating 15 years in business. They are a pro wrestling collectible company that specializes in action figures, vintage magazines and programs, DVDs, autographed memorabilia, and other unique pro wrestling memorabilia. Make sure to follow them on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at HL Pro Wrestling, and check them out at the following date. We got Russell Kidd in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, coming up on November the 25th. Ken Shamrock and Dan Severn, two massive legends in the world of mixed martial arts, as well as professional wrestling, are going to be there live in the house, doing pictures, autographs, I mean, telling stories. It's going to be a great time. I'm going to be there as well, so say hey to me as well as the folks at Heroes and Legends. We'll be hanging out with Ken Shamrock and Dan Severn. It's going to be a great time. Also, check out WrestleRumble.com. They do the best pro wrestling fantasy pick'em contests out there, bar none. You can win a bunch of cash and a bunch of prizes. Just jump on WrestleRumble.com. It's fantasy pick'em for wrestling. I mean, anyone who watches pro wrestling, you watch WWE, you can win money and prizes for sitting on your couch and being like how I am. Oh, I bet this is going to happen. I bet that's going to happen. Uh, yeah, I told you that. I told you so. Well, guess what? You, now you can put your money where your mouth is, and you can win, I mean, awesome stuff on WrestleRumble.com. The next contest for No Mercy should be going up any day, I'm imagining. They're probably just waiting to see what matches uh, might pop up before the show. But check it out. Stay up to date with all their contests on Twitter at WrestleRumble. Also, shout out to Brian Jensen at Dog Out of Boxing. He was on the last episode of Fight Talk. Uh, a lot of people listened to that, so thank you for listening. Uh, it was a great episode. We talked about Triple G and Canelo before the fight, and I'm going to be having someone on to talk about the post-fight stuff very soon on the show. But check out Brian Jensen. He's a USA boxing coach, personal trainer, and MMA conditioning expert out of Delgado Boxing in Sandy Springs, Georgia. That's in the Atlanta, Georgia area. Give him a call at 404-316-4516 or hit him up on email at brian at delgadoboxing.net. That is B-R-Y-A-N at delgadoboxing.net. Also, Instagram, BMJ MMA. You got a knockout workout without getting knocked out. Hit up Brian Jensen at Delgado Boxing right now. And last but never least, Williamson Brothers Barbecue has the best sauce in the world. All natural, gluten-free ingredients. Check them out. You can find them in Whole Foods, Kroger, Publix, all over the place. But it's easiest to find online. Just jump on williamsonbros.com. Jump on walmart.com. Go in the search tab. Type Williamson Bros. It's super easy. They're a, a family-owned business that buy local. I mean... I can never say enough good things about them. Their sauce and all their products are delicious. They even have three physical locations in the Atlanta, Georgia area. So check it out yourself. So once again, thank you to Williamson Brothers Barbecue for being a part of the Fight Talk podcast. With that all being said, kick back, relax, and enjoy this conversation with my buddy Markham Jenkins talking about some grappling here on the Fight Talk podcast. So I've known Markham a long time. We haven't talked in quite a while, and, and what kind of sparked this conversation is I'm always keeping up to date with what's going on in the world of mixed martial arts, and I try to keep up with boxing, grappling, you know, various disciplines. I was on Facebook the other day, 
and up pops this uh, this advertisement for a grappling game. Uh, it's a fight between Markham Jenkins and Caleb. I don't I do not know how to pronounce his last name. Mishkul. Um, this is going down in Chicago on September the 23rd, and I invited Markham on the show today to tell me a little bit about what training's like uh, for an event like this, and just kind of uh, what to expect, and, and tell people about the event as well. Anyone in the Chicago or, or near nearby area should definitely go and check this out. So I guess the first thing I got for you, Markham, is how long have you been uh, training in uh, this discipline of Jiu-Jitsu? I've been training Jiu-Jitsu for maybe but martial arts since I was 21 so nine years uh, I started with Muay Thai back in Atlanta actually um, and we had a jiu-jitsu program there it was a no-gi jiu-jitsu uh, program and I was taking it every once in a while but back then I was pretty out of shape and Muay Thai was enough to it was at, at the beginning I didn't really understand how much more beneficial jiu-jitsu would have been if I would have started back then as opposed to Muay Thai not to take anything away from that discipline but um, knowing what I know now you know I wish I had always been a grappler um, but uh, they both both are awesome um, and basically I fell into it because you know, I'm half Brazilian uh, half American and you know spent many years in Brazil and definitely have a very strong cultural background and i was at a muay thai academy here in chicago and i wasn't really enjoying the people there and i was looking for a different academy and vienna brothers jiu-jitsu popped up on google and it was close to my house so i started training there and just fell right at home and i'm like man i should have been doing jiu-jitsu all this time and even as in good a shape that i i thought i was i mean the first day of training as a white belt, I definitely threw up all over the bathroom. <laughs> so. Right. Man, that's funny. So, uh, and you mentioned the Vienna brothers. Um, I see listed here. Are they in uh, conjuncture with the Carlson Gracie team, or is that separate from one another? Yeah, we're affiliated with uh, Carlson Gracie, and Carlson Gracie Jr. has an academy a few blocks north of Vienna brothers, and Carlson Gracie's son, Carlson Gracie Jr., he, he's there and he runs that academy. And I train with him and another uh, professor named uh, Andre Matisse, who is one of their head trainers at uh, Carlson Gracie HQ. So plenty of plenty of professors uh, to learn from, not just Daniel and Pedro, but all all awesome people. I would say one of my most my main teachers currently is uh, Evan Manweiler, and he's from Atos. Uh, he trained under uh, Andre Galvão. And uh, and I'm super lucky to have Evan as a teacher. He's more of a new school style, uh, has a new school style of teaching. So to get like these older Brazilian guys teaching very straightforward Carlson Gracie Jiu Jitsu, which always works, and then having that mix of the new school style really helps. Now, for someone like me who isn't as well versed in like the specifics of Jiu Jitsu, like I know. Uh, jiu-jitsu in like relation to mixed martial arts mainly and then just a, li- a little more than that just through research but is the newer school stuff is that more of like kind of the 10th planet like rubber guard type stuff that like eddie bravo teaches or is that is it, like what do you mean by like, the new school jiu-jitsu well there's just uh, adaptations and you know jiu-jitsu is turned into a sport uh, 
you know, started as a martial art, but it's very much definitely a sport. There's definitely things in jiu-jitsu, certain types of, types of guards, certain ways of playing the game, uh, especially on your back or sitting down that you would not do on the street. Uh, there's certain, you know, there's certain things you can get away with, like inverting yourself and putting your head really close to people's legs that you would not really do in a street fight because you would definitely get kicked in the in the head. Right. <laughs> so, sure. Sure. Um, that's kind of what I mean by new school and just you know taking those tried and true basics and just shifting the way you would perform them. So. Um, a really easy example is there's a position called knee on belly, which you would put your one of your knees on a guy's stomach and control him with both both arms, one controlling his shoulder, one controlling his knee, and putting pressure on one knee on his belly. Usually, you do that by bringing the shin completely parallel with or yeah parallel with the guy's stomach. Um, and the new school way of doing knee on belly, you would put your shin perpendicular to the guy's stomach, almost like the top of your knee where his sternum is and the bottom of your shin where your ankle would be against his stomach. Um, so you can hold him tighter and be closer. In a street fight, the original knee on belly would be much more effective because you would keep your head far away from the guy's punching distance. Um, it's hard to explain without visual representation, but... Oh, no, I follow you. I follow you. And, but the basic idea being that um, you can do it this way because it, it's more practical in the sense where, like, you don't have to be worried about getting punched in the face in this scenario. So there's exactly. there's a better, more effective way of doing it in, in within the game of jiu-jitsu, the sport of jiu-jitsu. Exactly. Exactly. Gotcha. Um, now, you mentioned it being a sport, and it absolutely is. Um, I'm subscribed to UFC Fight Pass... Um, and occasionally I watch uh, the Eddie, I think it's the EBI, the Eddie Bravo Invitationals. Um, right. I've, I've watched, um, what's the other company that does it? Flow, gra- flow Grappling, I believe. Grappling. Yep. Right. Um, and they've all adopted, I believe it's a unified rules now. So it even makes it even more so of a sport. And and is that what you participate in? Is is it one of those scenarios where there, there has to be a winner at the end of the day? Or can you still fight to a draw? Um, with certain uh, promotions and companies, I, I don't know how that works. Still, depending on the tournament, depending on the style or what who's putting on, you can definitely draw. Uh, but for the most part, there's always going to be a tiebreaker if it's submission only, which means there's no points awarded for any sort of positional advantage. Then it, it can like uh, the the fight that I'll have on Saturday is based on submission attempts or submission. So if no one gets submitted, it's whoever tried to submit more than the other, whoever had more took advantage of more attacking than the other guy. So that's how they'll decide who will win and who will lose is based on who tried to submit more often um, to keep the pace uh, moving and make it interesting. Because if you don't put an emphasis on the submission, then there's going to be a lot of holding, a lot of just delaying the match, resting, slowing things down, and it becomes boring, and no one wants to watch that. Right. Um, so you know, just it it does vary from association to association how they decide um, how they deal with tiebreaking. Um, I did. There is a very famous fight between. Um, Marcus uh, Bushesha Almeida, one of the, the greats, the new greats, I think he's 28 years old, and Roger Gracie, who's comes right before him, and they fought, and I think they're about 10 years apart in age, and 
they called it a tie the first time. Uh, no one got submitted, but they felt it was very evenly matched. So it's kind of, like I said, depends on the association. Sure. Well, and you know, I, I like that rule, uh, that kind of rule set that you just said, though, where, because uh, I understand both sides of it, though. Like, from like a purist standpoint, like, I guess in an ideal situation, if you're looking for like the best overall, like who is the best at this discipline of jiu-jitsu and give it like the full time, like there's no time limits, nothing like that, or even like an hour time limit or something like that. It's that I think is the purest way to like really get to the, the bottom of like the actual discipline of it, but it's unesthetically appealing. Like very few people are going to want to buy a ticket to watch something where like, for someone like you and me, it might be really interesting to watch two guys it looks like they're not doing a whole lot, but you also know in the back of your mind, it might take 15 minutes for them to move position. And like, then there's, there's a definite talent to that. But for yes. like, for, for, for someone like, for like me or you, for, you know, trying to get people to come uh, out to like grappling games, for instance, in Chicago on September the 23rd, you know that there's going to be more action. And if you're a fan that doesn't really uh, know so much about it, even it's still going to be entertaining for you to watch. Exactly. Yeah. The international Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Federation, which is, essentially the largest in um, federations in jiu-jitsu they're a point-based tournament and what you'll find especially as you get further along and the experience levels when you get to the that black belt level the black belts have such a detailed and tried and true way of the way they fight that they might hold someone in a position for the first seven minutes of an eight minute match and sweep them right at the end because they're not going to they don't want to give up one inch of of space or of movement because they know that other black belt is so good at what he does that if anybody messes up in the smallest way um that's gonna probably result in you losing (laughs) so it doesn't take much to lose um which is why jujitsu can get really slow um the higher up you go the lower belts like i'm a blue belt we tend to be more uh our technique is still growing and we're still using a lot of strength and physicality to get to the end result where by the time you hit black belt you're like as little energy as i can possibly use to win is how i'm gonna win right have you experienced any of that like i'm sure i'm sure you have i'd be surprised if you haven't with like any of your like professors or people you learn from someone that's like like way older than you been doing it forever <clears throat> you look at him kind of like from the outside looking in you'd be like that just kind of looks like an old man and then he, he grabs you and you're like oh my god i can't believe this <laughs> yes uh <laughs> and, and it doesn't have to necessarily do with age they all have different ways of of you know killing you sure sure um, which you know daniel my main professor he's 43 years old um and he's a big guy he will terrify you you know his style is definitely like very very solid lots and lots of pressure you know it feels like a planet is just like driving into your body and it can get really scary and it'll set you off into a very panic sort of um feeling where you will give up an arm or your neck very quickly because he'll he'll make you freak out because he's just so strong and aggressive and and he has that like you know he has more than 14 years under his belt as a black belt so um he can be very scary now on the other side there's a a buddy of mine alex molinario he's 21 years old and he's he just became a black belt 
his style of jujitsu is more like before you know it, he's so fast and so quick that he's on top of you and on your back, and you you don't even know how you got there. You were standing up, and then 30 seconds later, you're tapping out, and he's wrapped around your back. <laughs> so both both of them have their strengths and weaknesses, and it, you never know. It's kind of who's going to be better that day. Sure. Sure. Well, and I know you mentioned uh, a little bit earlier, um, like you had you had practiced uh, Muay Thai uh, before going into jiu-jitsu. And I've heard other uh, other people like Joe Rogan, for example, someone I listen to often uh, talks about how he was, uh, you know, he was in Taekwondo. He's like a Taekwondo, like national champion. Um, and then one day uh, someone, one of his buddies was just wrestling with him. And like he realized like even just like a guy with like low level wrestling like could neutralize his you know national championship jujitsu or um um taekwondo rather because it's just like this the stylistic differences like it's just two completely different things like a ground-based grappling offense and you know striking um that's why i like seeing guys i don't know how much you follow like the ufc but i love seeing guys like damian maya for example who just like they don't look like the biggest dog in the fight ever, but their jujitsu, or even like Hoist Gracie would be the, the prime example in the, the early UFC days. You know, it doesn't really matter what the size is. When you get to a certain level of just technique, I mean, size and strength just doesn't matter after a certain point. It's amazing exactly. to me. Yeah, and I think that's why jujitsu is probably the most humbling martial art that exists, or one of the most humbling martial arts that exists, because you see it, I see it all the time. Um, and with myself to where there's a new guy at my gym he's just started he's definitely does a lot of crossfit you can tell by his strength and his body like he is ridiculously in shape and very strong um but he feels like a child in my arms right he just does not know how to control his body and he doesn't know how to move yet and he doesn't know how to uh, he doesn't have posture. He doesn't have the ability to not be. He can be broken down so easily, and all of that strength is just used against him until he learns how to maintain his stability. Um, and we have an innate ability as even as as young as toddlers. You'll see two toddlers punch each other like. No one taught them how to do that. They just do it. They know that their fists can be used as weapons if they swing them. And it's like a primal instinctual thing. But nobody, you put a human on his back on the floor and he has no idea what to do. Like you You don't naturally know how to get back up. You know, you have to be taught that. So that's why... I think Joe Rogan even will tell you that all of that experience of knowing how to kick and punch, if you fall down and you don't know how to get back up, you're screwed. Right. Well, you know, I even have made that argument, like, for UFC fights or or any mixed martial arts organization, Bellator, whatever, like, even in pro MMA, it's kind of the same as, you know, my feeling on, like, like the purest uh, form of, like, jujitsu, like, if you were to have, like, no rounds and all that stuff. But it, like in the UFC, I I know it isn't fun to watch somebody just take somebody down and lay on them for five minutes, like and just like win around that way if they can. But it, but at the same time, like I don't think that there should be stand ups in the UFC. Like I don't think that that it's up to the referee 
to to let a guy up off of his back if you like as part of the fight like if you can't get off your back like you you're not as good at wrestling as the other guy and wrestling is part of mixed martial arts so like if the guy can take you down and lay on you you can take you down and lay on you it's on you to figure out how to get back up exactly i think yeah i think it's you know you've seen i've seen a trend in ufc lately where they're not choosing guys that are master and jujitsu because i think most people in mainstream entertainment they want to see blood right they want to see that sort of thing happen so the average person is might get bored and you could lose ratings and uh that's all fair when you're trying to monetize something um but to me what's more interesting is seeing those tiny details and you might you might wait an entire round to see something awesome happen, but you'll remember that one awesome thing. You'll remember that guy getting choked out. You'll remember that guy getting his back taken easily, where punches and kicks. It's like you see it all the time. Yeah, I agree. Uh, or watching someone get out of a guillotine is cool too. You know, seeing someone defend that is really interesting as well. Yeah, and that's something. That's another thing that I don't think like. I know, like, hardcore fans definitely notice it, but, like, I, I doubt the casual fans do, where, like, I've seen people, um, like, in guillotine shows, like, someone's got a guillotine um, on the on the opponent, and they might be in a position where they're kind of, uh, once again, this is very tough without uh, without any visuals, but almost, not, not a sprawl, I guess almost, like, laying on their back trying to pull off a guillotine. Like, you know they're not going to be able to pull the guillotine off in this position, most likely, but, like, neither guy's really in trouble. They're both kind of in the same spot. But I'll see the referee stand him up sometimes. And, like, the reason I think it's a problem is because, for one, you never know. Like, if someone's got you in a, in a front face lock, like, you know, you, how do you really let somebody out of that? And on the second, on the other side of it, for the other guy, if the dude is trying to work a guillotine choke on the ground, that dude's arms are going to get tired just, just trying to do that for so long. It's like, so there's... It's, it's all part of the fight to me. Like, it's like, if, if that dude wants to hold on to a guillotine on the ground and keep going for that, he's probably not going to get it, but you can't penalize the dude who's just, like, waiting it out, not in any trouble, just, like, waiting for this dude's arms to tire out, because that's going to help him later on in the fight. Right. So, it's, it's yeah, just wild. That happens to me all the time, you know, be in a position where a guy has my back, and I train in the gi mostly, in the kimono, I don't really do a lot of no gi, but if a guy has a collar choke similar to a guillotine where he's got his I'm on he's got my back he's got his arm underneath my chin and he's grabbing my collar and he's trying to choke but I have just enough space to get my hand maybe a couple fingers between his arm and my neck and I can still breathe I might it might take me a long time to get out but if I can keep breathing I can start to wiggle myself in a position where I can turn right and it might take me a while, but if I can get out, you know, he's going to be tired from squeezing and pulling with his arms trying to finish that choke. And I'm using all of my body weight to drive backwards to open the space up to be able to, to get out. And then by the time I get out, I'm like, man, what a relief. Now it's time to attack. And something magical can happen in that moment. Uh, everything magical always happens when someone's getting out of a bad position or trying to get into a good position. Yeah, and you know, there there was a, a big UFC fight that happened just a few months ago between Michael Chiesa and uh, Kevin Lee, 
where Kevin Lee had Chiesa in a rear naked choke, and the referee, uh, st- and I'm not anti-referee in the UFC, it sounds like I am, but I'm just, these are just points that I just kind of bring up, because we're talking about jiu-jitsu in these scenarios, like, Chiesa is, he's in the guillotine, I mean, or he's in the rear naked choke, like, Kevin Lee has him, it's for sure a done deal, but the referee comes over, and he stops the fight before Chiesa taps out. And it was really controversial because Kiesa didn't tap out. At the end of the day, you either got to let the guy go out or tap out. Like, it's it's his decision as the fighter, I feel like. And But to your point, what you just said, like, there's always that chance. Like, if you're not tapping out, if you even have a little bit of breath left in you, and you, and you that, the thing that I think people don't take into account enough is how many times, I mean, thousands, I would imagine, times you've been in that position in the gym with somebody around your neck, and you've been training. I couldn't. I couldn't even imagine how many times you trained to get out of that scenario. So there's people who are right. So there's got to be people in the UFC. Like even if they're in a bad spot, you just never know. They might. They might have been working on something in the gym for a while, and they might have a way of getting out of it. Like you got to give them a chance to, to try to do it. Exactly. And I mean, t- touching back on the fact that it is still a sport. You know, I was watching my my buddy Alex uh, Blackwell compete in the Chicago Open. And he made one bad mistake. The guy took his back and was collar choking him. And he wasn't out yet, but he was definitely turning purple. And he just kept scooting the guy to try to get him out of bounds. Because he knew as long, if he got the guy out of bounds before he passes out, the referee's going to stop it and move him back. And he sure as hell got out of bounds right before he was about to fall asleep. And the ref stood them back up and... Alex ended up winning, even though he was literally about to tap. I mean, his hand was up, ready to tap, and he just kept inching himself to the edge. <laughs> nice. That's that's the classic pro wrestling, get your foot on the bottom rope while you're getting pin move. I love that. And that's that's why it's, it is a sport. You know, people tend to forget that, yes, it is a fighting system, but you can never forget that it is still a sport with rules. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Um, a few questions I got left for you. Um, you know, you mentioned your training and the people you train out there with out in uh, out in Chicago, Carlson Gracie team with uh, the Vienna brothers. Um, something that's kind of notorious, not not necessarily notorious, but it happens a lot, is there's a lot of gyms out there that like you might just learn just straight bullshit from. Or there may, there might be people that are like just out to get your money. There might be people out there that are looking to hurt you, like whatever it is. Do you have any recommendations on just anyone listening, or even for me? Um, just like anywhere that you know, like that you would kind of put your like stamp of approval on, like a- anything with like the Gracie name on it, or is there any anyone that you like really believe in, like their system that you would say to go and, and check them out? Yeah, well, uh, obviously, I'm definitely going to represent the Gracie, you know, Carlson Gracie above anybody else, but there's plenty of other Gracies out there. Gracie Baja is huge and definitely a place where you can go. And, um, any of the autos affiliations are are really big and huge and and amazing um you know you got to do research you got to get online look at reviews check out a few gyms you know you don't need to settle on the first one until you feel at home my brother is also a jiu-jitsu fighter in atlanta and he checked out a few different places until he settled with uh roberto travin which is also a huge huge face of brazilian jiu-jitsu um, out there, and he trains um, at Team Octopus, which is in uh, Brookhaven. Uh, so, you know, my brother had started another gym. I'm not going to name that gym. I don't want to talk bad about anybody, but he felt 
there wasn't a lot of discipline there. People didn't show up on time. So he managed to leave that gym and find another place. You really, you really just have to try and, and go and, and see what's out there. And so many people are doing jujitsu nowadays. You probably know somebody around you that goes to a gym. Right. Very true. And, uh, all good stuff, man. Uh, one last time before we get out of here, uh, where can everybody find you? Like uh, any kind of social media you want to plug? And of course, make sure to check out Markham Jenkins at the Grappling Games in Chicago on September the 23rd. Uh, check that out at www.grapplinggames.org slash GGC52. Exactly, yeah. Uh, yeah, Markham Jenkins. You can find me on Facebook, uh, markhamjenkins.com for my photography. If you're interested in checking that out, I do a lot of jujitsu photography as well. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Awesome. Well, Markham, thanks a lot for coming on the show today. Um, I'm going to have this uploaded within probably the hour, and I'll tell you where to find it so you can listen yourself. All right. Thank you so much. Awesome. See you, buddy. All right, everybody. That was Markham Jenkins once again. Make sure to check him out at the Grappling Games in Chicago on September the 23rd. Check it out at www.grapplinggames.org ggc52. And what a great dude. Uh, it was great catching up with Markham today. Uh, I, like we mentioned, I've known him for a long time. I mean, over a decade. And, you know, he moved up to Chicago to do music. You know, we talked a little bit before the podcast about that. He's a great musician. Uh, so make sure to check out his music. Make sure to check out his photography as well. He's a multi-talented guy. Obviously, a, a, just an overall artist of a human being. I mean, between the art of, you know, jiu-jitsu, the photography, you know everything else that he does the music great dude so uh once again thank you uh thank you mark for coming on the show bud i really appreciate it uh make sure to check me out on twitter at fight talk underscore that's at f-i-g-h-t-t-a-l-k underscore got a facebook group as well just search at fight talk podcast uh make sure to subscribe on itunes and google play um this is so important it really is because it just really helps the podcast out more than you guys understand it helps out so much that i'm going to give you guys free stuff just for subscribing rating and commenting on itunes and if you can do that on google play too that'd be great um itunes is a little more important as far as like the ratings and those kind of things go um for the rankings and ratings and it's, it's hard to explain to anyone listening that doesn't do a podcast but it really helps to to just jump on there pop in a five-star rating and just any comments you want I'm going to give out free stuff to people who rate and comment and subscribe. Uh, I'm going to give you some uh, some action figures, got some free barbecue sauce, got uh, some t-shirts. So I got a lot of free stuff courtesy of my sponsors that I'll get to right at the end of the show. But please, please help support the podcast. And please support it um, by jumping on whatamaneuver.net, checking out the merchandise as well. I have t-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, anything you can think of. I have multiple designs on there now every color you can think of. If there's something you're looking for that you can't find, just hit me up and let me know. The people over at whatamaneuver.net do a great job and we're always willing to accommodate you. If you support the podcast, we support you. Uh, so just hit us up and you know help support the podcast. I, you know, I, I can't stress it enough. Um, the only reason that I do any sort of merchandise or, or just push people to subscribe and, and to rate and that kind of stuff is because it keeps the podcast free for the listeners. Um, because it isn't a free thing for me to do which I, I don't mind. I love doing this show. I love doing it for me. I love doing it for you guys. But to, so that you guys never have to pay to listen, which I would never in a million years want you guys to do or expect you guys to do, that's the kind of stuff that keeps it free. So that's just full disclosure. Um, so all the free stuff you can get for uh, subscribing and rating and stuff, though, is courtesy of my sponsors. So I'm going to mention them right now. We're going to get on out of here. 
So special thanks once again to WrestleRumble.com, Heroes and Legends, Brian Jensen at Delgado Boxing, and Williamson Brothers Barbecue. Thank you very much for listening, and I will be back soon.